Well, hello. Welcome to the Essential Questions for Educators podcast, or EQ4E, on Spotify. My name is William Brooks, and I am your host. Hey, I've got a special podcast today. I, I get to talk about something that was very important to me. It was a discovery that I needed to find in my life. I'm not generally a very high-strung person. Are you? Uh, you might be. I don't know. But I, I don't know what year it was that I realized. I, I remember grading papers at my desk one day and just all of a sudden feeling this burning in the back of my, uh, you know, in the upper back area and my shoulders even. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> I was like, it's, it, it just hurts. It burns. And so I got up and I walked around a little bit and it kind of went away. And then I sat back down to grade papers again. And before I knew it, it was back. And I realized my shoulders were slowly going up into my ears. And I, I was like, wait a second, is this stress? I think this might be stress because I'm generally not a very stressed out person. But I discovered when I started noticing things that it would happen when I was paying bills, when I was apparently grading papers, when I was doing my homework back when I was taking classes. I would get this burning sensation in my upper back and my shoulders as tension would start coming in. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to do something about this. And back when I first noticed it, I would go running or something like that, and that would kind of take care of it. But, you know, my knees, you know, they can run these days if I'm being chased or there's a tornado in the area or something like that. But I, I generally don't run on purpose. So unless there's something that's getting ready to go down. Now, I, I still work out. You know, I do things like that. But uh, the the running that I used to do, which culminated in triathlons, half marathons, uh, the country music marathon in Nashville. I just don't do that any any longer. And so I was like, okay, how, how can I deal with this stress? And that's what I really want to talk about today. And I've got four things that I would like to, to point out. These are four things that worked for me. They do not have to be four things that work for you. But hey, for all I know, uh, the essential question, you know, how do I, you know, what can I do about my stress levels as an, as an educator or whatever I do, it may trigger something in you to either go search for your own ways. You may try one of my ways. It may lead you to something else entirely. But stress of the kind that makes your shoulders burn and, and whatnot, some people get headaches, some people, I, you know, it, it should be dealt with. It really should. And I, I found four kind of quick, easy ways to deal with stress, and I would like to share those. Uh, the first one was, uh, where, where did I find out about this first one? Well, okay, full disclosure, my mom is a therapist, or she was a practicing therapist. She's retired now. So I always kind of had the mindset of, okay, if I can't work through something like this, I, I got to go searching. I've, I've got to search for my own solutions. And so I read somewhere on my search that a change in physical environment is a big deal regarding changing stress, which I guess I discovered when I got up from grading papers and it kind of eventually went away. But when I read this, I had come out of the classroom and I was in a form of administration. I wasn't evaluating anyone, but I was you know, working on the support of the school and I had a lot of stuff going on. It doesn't matter what specifically, but 
Um, I, I read somewhere, if you just get up, if you just get up. That also coincided when the principal I was working with at the time, her name was Crystal. She said, you know, Bill, my happy place, if I need a happy place, which sometimes I need a happy place, but my happy place is our child care center that we had at our school uh, that served the community and, and some of our students that, uh, you know, had kids. And she would go down there and I, I didn't ask her details. I don't know if she just watched the kids play or maybe held a baby. I, I, I don't know how involved she got, but she would go down to that happy place. And so when I read this about changing physical location, physical state, if you will, you know, my first mental model was, ah, oh, they're going to tell me to go work out again. And that ended up not being the case at all. I discovered after reading this and when my principal told me this, that my happy place happened to be an art room. At least that was one of my places or just getting up and going and walking around the building. Or sometimes I walked outside the building. I had a variety of different techniques to get up, move around, do whatever I needed to do to change where I was, what, what I, where I physically was, as well as what I was physically doing. I did not run down to the gym and lift some weights. I, I didn't do anything like that. But I definitely got myself physically out of the place that I'm at. Now, if you're a classroom teacher and you're going, yeah, okay, yeah, must be nice. You know, get up from your office, go to the bathroom when you want to, so on and so forth. Tell, tell us more, Bill. Tell us more. Um, now, like if you're a classroom teacher and you're at your desk, maybe get up and, you know, walk around. Or if you're walking around and what your students are doing, it's starting to stress you out, maybe go have a seat. <laughs> you know, whatever you need to do. But just try to do something physically. So that really spoke to me at the time. And I wanted to share that. That may mean something different based on your context, but maybe it'll help. So that's number one, change your physical location or your physical state. Number two has to do with breathing. Now, actually, that's two and three. I know you're breathing. Everyone's breathing and everyone is still stressed. So like, what's the deal? Well, what I discovered through a podcast I was listening to is that there are different types of what they call breath work that you can go through. And I was never really, you know, to be honest, that kind of sounded hippy dippy to me. <laughs> like, oh yeah, man. So I'm going to like cross my legs, man. And I'm going to make that little, you know, my middle finger touches my thumb on both sides. I'm going to rest them on my knee. No, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, two specific types of breathing that has helped me is number one, box breathing, B-O-X breathing. And I was like, okay, what in the world is box breathing? And again, I went out searching for ways to calm myself down a little bit when I needed to reduce some stress. And box breathing is simply in through your nose for a count of four, hold your breath for a count of four, out through your mouth count of four, hold it with no air in your lungs for a count of four, and then repeat. So in through the nose, out through the mouth, and I was counting by fours. And when I discovered this, it was listening to a podcast and it was a former Navy SEAL and he was talking about the breath work and, and the breathing, how that's important in combat or at least combat training. Because you don't you don't want to be thinking about your breathing techniques when you're in actual combat, but how he learned and other Navy SEALs learned. I don't know if this was officially part of the training, but how to control heart rates, control anxiety, control control stress with breathing. Now, 
I, I was not in the military. I was in a school. And I, at this point, I had an office. But I remember trying it and thinking, okay, you know, that was kind of nice. That was kind of nice. And, and I've gone back to it from time to time. But where it really helped me, where I knew, like, hey, I'm an experiment of N, experiment of N equals one here. How do I know this is really working? Well, I was doing some CrossFit back in my CrossFit days, and I started getting these horrible headaches, and I, they were exercise-induced headaches. So I went to my doctor, and I was like, Doc, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, these crazy workouts, and I just get hit with these headaches. And I remember he looked at me, and he's like, well, uh, let's rule out a brain tumor. <laughs> I was like, Doc, Doc, you, I, really? I mean, you went there first? He's like, no, 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 no. We're just going to rule it out. Because what you sound like, I don't know, it could be this, it could be that, it could be the other, but let's let's just rule that out. Have you ever had an MRI before? No, I haven't had an MRI. Well, here, I'm going to schedule one, so on and so forth. So I go to this MRI. And if you've ever been in an MRI machine, uh, those things can be uh, really thin, claustrophobic. And I even had an open-sided MRI, but still you slide into one of those things. And, uh, oh, by the way, <laughs> I should mention, I did not have a brain tumor, I, but, but I had to go through this process. But anyway, you know, spoiler alert, Bill did not have a brain tumor. Okay. So I get slid into this thing and immediately it's like the top of it. It's a, at your nose, the bottom, you're obviously laying on something, but it's right under you. And the, and the sides are open, but you can't take a glance. You can't turn your head at all to look at the openness of the side. So it's not a tube, but it's very claustrophobic. And I didn't know I was claustrophobic. And I didn't hit a panic button or anything like that. I didn't have to be pulled out. But what I realized, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm starting to feel some anxiety. I'm starting to get really stressed here. And the only thing I needed to knew, knew and the only thing I knew to do at the time was box breathing. So I started box breathing. Now, my eyes were closed as well because I did not want to see the top of this thing right, right an inch or so from my eyeballs. But I closed my mouth, closed my mouth. I closed my eyes and I started box breathing. And I'll tell you what, that worked. And I was like, okay, all right. Like when I was in my office, I was like, okay, you know, that was a nice little breathing exercise. I, I guess I feel better. I don't know. But that got me through that MRI without having to hit any kind of panic button, have them have to slide me out or anything like that. So I was like, oh, you know, that's pretty legit. So, so that's number two. I mentioned the, the middle two of the four have to do with breathing. And I came up or I found number three very recently on wait for it, a podcast. I heard Dr. Andrew Huberman. Huberman, he works at, uh, I believe, a Stanford lab, does a bunch of research, physiology. I should, if I'm going to reference him, I should probably have his bio here. But but he's a super fancy, fancy doctor guy that does lab work and, and has a lab where he does a lot of research. And he calls it, or I don't think he came up with it, but it is called the physiological sigh. Like, sigh, that kind of sigh. And he talked about, I, I did watch a brief video. He does, does talk about how he didn't come up with it, but recently this was, this technique was rediscovered and it, it helps lower the heart rate. It helps get possibly a buildup of carbon dioxide in the lungs out of your lungs, out of your bloodstream. And he says, it's really simple and you just have to do it a couple of times. He says, all right, 
you take a breath in through your nose and you stop, but you pause just for a few moments and then you take another big breath on top of that. So you don't want to take the full deep breath so you don't have anything left. But when I've seen him demonstrate it before, he literally probably does an 80% breath. And then that last 20% is just a right at the very end, hold it and then let the air out through your mouth slowly, a lot slower than it came in on both breaths. And he says, you do that two, three, four times, and that kind of resets you a little bit. The stress goes down. And I agree. I have used the physiological sigh many times to kind of reduce my stress and anxiety in a couple of different situations. So that is number three, the physiological sigh. All right, before I get to my favorite one, and this, is, this was a game changer for me, but before I get to my last one, I want to mention that I do have a blog. The blog is essentialquestionsforeducators.com. You spell it all out. There's no, there's no four, the number four in it. It's just it's essentialquestionsforeducators.com. And this is blog number 34, 34. And it goes over my four techniques, but the, the second and the third one, the box breathing, I have links in those blog posts that you can click on and it talks about box breathing. There, I think there are four or five minutes of explanation, some background. So if you're interested in learning a little bit more, I mean, Google it yourself, go on YouTube yourself, but I put two very specific links on there. The physiological side, I do link to a an interview with Dr. Andrew Huberman, so you can hear him talk about it as well. Okay, last but not least, my favorite, and this has nothing to do with breathing, but it is called the power of preferences. What do you prefer? Now, how does that have to do with anything? I mean, you'd prefer a lot of things that would happen that or not happen that are stressing you out, but, but here's the thing. I have a friend who is a therapist, a practicing therapist. And we were talking about stress one day and he goes, you know, in life, there aren't that many laws between, you know, how people get along and, you know, that interpersonal dynamic, you know, teaching, being an administrator, so on and so forth. Very few laws. Now there are laws. There are what he calls thou shalts. Thou shalt not speed over the speed limit or you can get a ticket, you know, that kind of thing. Thou shalt not murder. Let's go. Let's go way back. I think someone wrote that down on a stone tablet once. Thou shalt not murder. But he said those are really very few and far between. And he said people get in a lot of trouble in interpersonal relationships, whether that's a personal relationship or a boss employee relationship, or if you're an educator listening to this, a uh, principal uh, who's an evaluator, evaluatee experience or even coaching, instructional coaching. And it can be very stressful. And so he said, you know, there are very few thou shalts. If you can make a shift in your mind to I prefer as opposed to he or she should have or shouldn't have, that's kind of a big mental shift for a lot of people that is like in my practice, I've, I've found that makes a big difference. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, we talked about it a little bit more, but then I started practicing it. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. So uh, just a quick example. 
I've worked in professional development since about, well, it's probably the early 2000s. Uh, I've been going to professional development long before that, but there is something strange that happens when you're a professional developer, like you're trained in professional development, and then you attend a professional development because your brain is not just thinking about the content and the processes you're going through, but it's also going, oh, well, I would have done it this way, or why didn't they do it that way, and so on and so forth. So I found myself getting very unfairly annoyed that the professional developer where I was sitting in the crowd wasn't doing it the way I would have done it. I mean, come on, Bill. Come on. Drop the ego a little bit. But I was still getting annoyed. And when that my friend shared that with me, I started shifting my thinking in multiple areas. But this one was one of them to man, I would prefer that that PD person would have had us do something different, or I would have preferred that we wouldn't have done that. And I am telling you what, that was a game changer for me. The annoyance that I felt did not dissipate into nothingness, into the ether, if you will. No, it was, it was still there, but it wasn't as much. And I don't, I, I never looked it up. I never looked at, is this a therapy technique? You know, it's, I wasn't in therapy at the moment, but he shared that with me. And I kind of wish I knew the background on it, but that mindset made a massive difference, changing over to, oh man, that should have, oh, that should not have to, man, I would have preferred. I, I don't know. I can't explain it. Try it. Try it a couple times. Try it with one of your kids. Try it. You know, if your kid, if you're a parent and a kid does something, I, I mean, yes, you have to address it very directly sometimes. But if your kid makes a choice that you're like, okay, yeah, shouldn't have done that. Maybe switch it with, man, I would have preferred they wouldn't have made that choice, but I, you know, I guess they did. But, you know, my preference would, would have been not. And just see how, how that changes. It, it might be a game changer for you as well. It may not, but, you know, whatever. All right. It's about time to wrap this up, put a bow on it. Uh, but having, I, I mentioned earlier, my mother was a licensed professional therapist. So I, I feel the need to add this on. I add this on to my blog as well, that if you think you're dealing with some chronic stress or some things that you just can't shake, don't forget that there, you, know, you, can, box, you can box breathe that to death, but it's probably not going not gonna to fix it. You, you can talk to, about preferences. You can all the things. Sometimes it is good to talk to a professional. And just because you may have had a negative experience with a professional in the past does not mean you'll have one in the future. So, you know, get out there. And as an assistant principal, I talked to kids from time to time that were very frustrated with therapy. And I would just tell them, I was like, hey, you know, make sure that you're talking about what you want to talk about in there. You know, just kind of seize that moment, seize that opportunity, but also maybe talk to your parents about if it's not working, a different therapist. And I bet you they may help you out with that. So I would encourage you to do that, but I would encourage you mostly if you're like, yeah, um, I probably really need to talk to somebody. Maybe listen to that voice and, and do that. But anyway, there, I feel better now. I feel better mentioning that. Mom feels better about me mentioning that as well. But I, I just want to finish with, guys, education is tough. Life is tough. And if you can have these small little things that you can do that can help you just a little bit here and a little bit there, that's kind of what this podcast was all about. And I wrote that blog, number 34, recently. And it was because... That's fine. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Tiesto. And that was because I'm in school still. I'm a, a consultant. I travel all over the country. And I've seen 
the looks on faces. I've seen the stressed out people that I've been working with recently. And I, I actually published that blog earlier than I normally do. I went right back to my hotel room. I was traveling at the time and I cranked it out. I was like, I, I got to do a little something. And so I, it's tough out there. I know it's tough out there. And it's not just teaching, it's other things as well. So I hope that, again, this either helped you, uh, was, was helpful for you, or it sends you off searching for different ways to relieve stress. But uh, I, I hope this helped. It was maybe just a little cog in your in your wheel to maybe take some steps towards reducing stress okay that's it hey if you enjoy this make sure and subscribe share it i always love love it when you guys share stuff and i hear from other people and i'm starting to hear from people that is kind of nice so uh reach out if you want to uh there's my contact information on my blog you can go to that and i would love to uh hear from you all right you guys have a great week take care all right bye-bye